Well, moms, happy Mother's Day to you. We honor you today and we thank you for the countless sacrifices you make for us and our families. Welcome to Bell Shoals on this very special day. My name is Corey Abney and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor here. And my wife and I have three wonderful children that we love. <laughs> and another one. And um, so we have a total of four. And um, we certainly relate to the families who have um, committed themselves and their children to the Lord today. Uh, we remember well being up on stage ourselves with our little ones. Uh, our kids are uh, all within two years of each other. And um, boy, that is something. And uh, no matter how your kids were kind of spaced out or uh, no matter what you've encountered in terms of personalities and life stages, I, I know this, being a parent is the hardest job in the world. <laughs> and uh, being a mother is both a privilege and a significant responsibility. And so it's appropriate that we, we honor our mothers today. And I, I thought in that, in that feature, it was really neat to hear one of the moms talk about just the natural questions that, that mothers have and really that parents have, that mothers and fathers have it. You know, there are just numerous questions that we have working through our years together as parents. Like, here's a question. Why did we have these kids to begin with? <laughs> I've asked that question many times. I don't know if any of you have ever asked that question. That's a question we ask. No. Um, I, I love just the transparency of those moms and the feature. You know, questions like, am I doing a good job? Will my children turn out all right? Maybe you have this question, will my child turn it around? <laughs> am I too lenient? Am I not lenient enough? Did I do too much or did I do enough? We have these questions. I love that aspect of the feature. Every parent has them, asks them. It's the hardest job in the world. And it's a job that really elevates certain insecurities in us. Because for one thing, the job is, um, well, it doesn't pay very well, <laughs> for one thing. And then, like, it seems to be endless, right? Like, you never stop being a parent. And, and then you go through these roller coasters where things are really, really good and then where things are really, really hard. And you go through these seasons where it's like, okay, I think my kids have it. And we're like the poster child family. And then there are other seasons. And it might be the very next day where you're like, <laughs> what am I doing? And it feels like it's all falling apart. And so, you know, there's, there, there's, there's nothing like the role of a parent of a mother or even a father to highlight the insecurities in us because the job is so long, it's so hard, it's never really finished. And um, we wonder, just like those moms highlighted for us in that feature, are we really doing enough? Are we doing good enough? Is everything going to turn out okay? And we're, we're in a teaching series right now called Roadblocks, and we're walking through certain roadblocks that get in the way from where we are to where God wants us to be. And today we're going to talk about the roadblock of insecurity. And 
And I want to encourage those of you who are mothers today, I really want to encourage all of you today, no matter your life stage, where you are, when you have those moments of insecurity, you have those questions that, that rise up, you have those doubts and those fears, and you wonder if you're making a difference, if you're doing enough, if God can use you. Today, I want to encourage you from God's Word, because listen to me very, very carefully. If you're a child of God today, if you're a follower of Jesus, I, I want to give you this word of hope. God has saved you, he has gifted you, and he has empowered you to make a difference in this world. And it doesn't always feel that way, I know. You have these questions, we all do. As followers of Jesus, as mothers and fathers, we have these questions in certain moments. We know that we fail. We know that we fall short. But I just want to encourage you today that your heavenly Father has saved you, He has gifted you, and He has empowered you to make a difference in this world. I know this, we're dealing with a generation of children who struggle with anxiety and depression at the highest rate in human history. We have a world today with more insecurity than ever before, and here is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And every single one of the children of God is indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit, gifted with talents and abilities to make a difference and live life to the fullest. In other words, your life matters. Your leadership matters. And as a follower of Jesus, I just want to remind you today that God has a great plan for your life. And even in those moments where you're not sure, <laughs> no, God is with you. Through the power of his Holy Spirit, through the grace of his Son, and, and he has gifted you and empowered you to make a difference in this world. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 25. And I want to show you an example of what this looks like. Again, my hope is to encourage you today with, with this truth from God's word that, that God gives salvation to us. Then he empowers us with his Holy Spirit. He gifts us with talents and opportunities to make a difference. I just want you to be encouraged today in every stage and season of life to know that through Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can and you must make a difference. See, Matthew 25 is given to us in, in, in about three large sections. It's really a chapter of God's word that's about the second coming of Jesus. Jesus here is preparing his followers for both his departure and his return. And here's what Jesus is doing. Jesus is setting the stage for a period of human history when after his departure, he's going to be gone for a long time. And he knows that his followers are going to struggle. His followers are going to have seasons of success and seasons of failure. His followers are going to have doubts. They're going to have insecurities. They're going to have struggles. They're, they're, they're going to have enemies from without and from within. They're going to have temptations to laziness. They're, they're going to lack perspective. They're, they're going to feel defeated. There are going to be moments where they, they feel like Jesus is just never coming back. They're going to they're have moments of temptation when they feel like maybe his promises aren't valid and true. And so Jesus is setting the stage for what's going to happen from the moment of his departure to the moment of his return. And he tells 
a parable. He tells a, a, a story with an impactful meaning here about a master, an owner, who entrusts his possessions to three of his workers. Here's what Jesus says. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Again, he's talking, Jesus is here about his departure. And he called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. And then he left on his trip. Now, here, here's what happens next. These, these, these servants are, are required then to take the, the, the money, the, the talents, okay, the bags of silver that the master has given them and do something with them. Uh, based on the version of the Bible that you're reading from today, it may say talent instead of bags of silver. Really, a talent was a unit of, of money. It, it wasn't like just a, a, a currency. It was like a collection of currency. And, 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 and so each bag represents a talent, a large sum of money. Notice that, that, that these three servants each get three different amounts. The first one gets five talents. The second one gets three talents. The third gets one talent. Here's kind of what I picture in my mind, okay? That first servant, okay, he's like always up early, has his quiet time, hits the gym. He's in his office before anyone else. He has an entrepreneurial spirit about him. He's a hard worker. He's good with people, right? He's a five talent kind of guy. The second guy, he's the operations guy. Right, he rolls in about eight o'clock. He's always on time, nothing flashy, not an entrepreneur, but that guy, man, he's gonna get the job done. The third servant, he shows up late. He's got pillow marks on his face. His shirt is untucked. His hair is disheveled. He comes in when the master calls this meeting with the servants and he's like, hey, I'm sorry, what time did the meeting start? See, there's a five-talent guy, there's a three-talent guy, and there's a one-talent guy. Now, if anyone's here with a one-talent kind of person, if you just point them out today that they might maybe be convicted. Uh, anybody? No, I'm kidding. All right, so here's the deal. So I just want you to understand here that, that, these, that the talents are given based on ability, right? And I'm teasing here with the, you know, pillow head guy, but... Um, you know, each of these servants have varying levels of ability and therefore they have varying levels of opportunity. And the first gets five talents, the second gets three, the third gets one. That's actually fine. No problem, right? Now here's what happens. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money. He earned five more, 100% return. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. 100% return. But the servant who received just the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and he hid the master's money. He didn't want to work, didn't want to invest for whatever reason. And he's lazy. He, you know, he's like potentially here. I think this is one of the themes of the parable, by the way. He's just kind of like, man, this guy's never coming back. And he just kind of gives up. And so check this out. Verse 19, after a long time, 
Their master returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how he had used his money. And the servant who he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five, and I've, I've earned five more. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so I'll give you now many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags to invest, and here I've earned two more. And notice here, the master says the same thing. You've been faithful. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. But the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. By the way, this is just an excuse. He says, I was afraid I would lose your money, and so I I hid it in the earth. I buried it, and look, now here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, then why didn't you go deposit my money in a bank and at least have returned some interest? In other words, if you knew I was this mean, this harsh, this cruel, then why in the world would you just bury the money? I could have done that myself. See, it doesn't add up. It's just an excuse. And so he says, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. And to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. You see, Jesus here is teaching us something about this period in human history, this delay from the moment of his departure to the moment of his return. And he's speaking to this very powerful truth that for every single person who knows him, who loves him, who's saved by his grace, every single person who's turned from their sin and, and asked for the forgiveness of Jesus, committing to follow him all the days of their life, listen to me carefully once again, then God, by the power of Jesus, has saved you, he has gifted you, and he has empowered you to make a difference in this world. You, you see... The master has given every single one of us a certain measure of talents. The master has given every single one of us wonderful opportunities through which we can make a difference in this world. By the way, I think parenting is one of those opportunities. It's a privilege, by the way. It's an opportunity to make a difference. Children are like talents in our hands, in our lives that that we can influence to the best of our abilities to make a difference for the Lord. And, and, and so let me just give you a couple takeaways here that, that, that surface from this passage. Again, I, as, as I hope to encourage you today, first of all, listen, the talents you possess aren't yours, but you do have exclusive rights to them. Listen, it's important to notice here that, that what we manage in life all extends from God himself. You know what the scripture says? Every good and perfect gift comes down from our Father. Every blessing you have, every opportunity you are given is ultimately an extension of God's grace in your life. And so here's what's so cool. Every single one of us, it's okay to say this, every single one of us have talents, opportunities to make a positive difference in this world. Every single one of us have been given a certain measure of talents by which we can multiply for God's glory. You see, we don't own them. The Lord does. 
but we steward them. We have exclusive rights to them. And if you just look at your life today, I hope what you will discover, mothers especially, I hope today you're reminded of the numerous blessings and opportunities that are yours and every single one of these good and gracious gifts come from God himself. John Ryle once said this, anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our afflictions, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of the Bible. All of these are talents. Every good and perfect gift in your life is a talent. And from the moment of our Savior's departure to the moment of his return, in this small window that you and I call life, we have an opportunity to use what he has entrusted to us. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity, okay? So secondly, then make a note of this. So then you, I just want you to know, you have enough talents to make a difference in this world. See, talents, the talents that you possess aren't yours. No, no, they're given. You, you do have exclusive rights to them. God, in other words, God's given you, this is the second aspect here, enough unique talents to make a difference in this world, okay? And your talents are opportunities based on your abilities. Now, here's what's so profound about this parable that Jesus tells. I know it seems like, oh man, the one bad guy and the two bad guy and the five bad guy, you know, there's a big difference there. Well, no, here's the thing. Don't feel sorry for the one bad guy. Do you know why? A talent, a bag of silver that represented a talent was 20 years worth of average wages. Here's what that means. If you put that in today's economy, the servant that got just one bag of silver, check this out, was given somewhere between 800000 and a million dollars to manage and invest. That's a lot of money. It's not like one guy got a gift card at Chick-fil-A and the other guy got a million dollars here, okay? No, 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 no. Every single servant is given an overwhelming abundance of talents, of dollars. Like none of them are without the means to make a difference. And maybe you're here and you're like, I think I'm a one-talent kind of person. Hey, cheer up. If you're a one-talent kind of person, God has given you a lot. Just one talent represented 800000 to a million dollars. So you just do the math on the others. You see what the master had given to them to, merit, to, 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 uh, to manage, right? And so here's the thing. Here's what we do. Can I just tell you the problem? Here's what happens. If I go back and kind of connect the parable that Jesus told in his day to our day, here's what happened. The one talent guy gets his talent. Initially, perhaps, he's like, oh, my goodness, look at this. $800,000, a million dollars the master has given to me. And for a short time, he's happy. He's a little bit overwhelmed. He's like, man, I'm going to use this. I'm going to make a difference, right? So that when my master comes back, he'll be pleased with me. And he, and he starts out about his day, but then he runs into the second servant. servant and he's like, hey, man, good to see you. Hey, dude, how to, good, good to see you. Did you have your meeting with the master? Yeah, I had a meeting. Did you? Yeah, how'd it go for you? Man, it went great. He gave me two talents. And all of a sudden, the guy's like, oh, man, I only got one. And he goes off, and now he's discouraged because he's only got one. Dude, he's got a million dollars. 
And now all of a sudden, the two bad guy, he's feeling really good. That dude only got one. I got two. And so he goes about his day. He's like, man, I'm living the dream. I got two. Loser boy over here only got one. And then he comes up on the other server. He's like, dude, did you have your meeting? Yeah. Hey, check out Joe over here, man. Joe only got one bag. (laughs) Dude, how many did you get? Dude, I got five. You got five? Yeah, how many did you get? Oh, man, I got, it was close. It was similar to that. All of a sudden, that guy's like, oh, I got two. Dude, you got $2 million. You say, well, how does that work today, moms? Well, everything's going good, and you feel, okay, I'm in a good place. You think, man, I'm a, I've got a five-talent kind of family. I've got a five-talent kind of life, you know? And then you pull up Instagram. And you say, oh, man, now that's a five-talent kind of family. And then you feel like a three-talent, two-talent, one-talent kind of, kind of mom, kind of person, right? Like, like, here's what happens in our society. I think this is why my children's generation is struggling as much as they are, because they've only been raised in a world of comparison. They don't know anything else. And even when they feel like maybe, just maybe, they're a two-talent kind of person, they start scrolling, and all of a sudden they realize, no, I think that's a five-talent person, and I'm just a two. Just a two? Just a one? Here's what Jesus is communicating with this parable. There are no insignificant talent holders. If you're a one-talent person, you got a million dollars to manage. If you're a two-talent person, you got $2 million. If you're a five-talent person, you got $5 million. And here's, here's what I'm trying to say to you today. Every single one of you have enough talents to make a difference in this world. Your father has given you unique, exclusive rights to the talents you possess, and the talents you possess are connected to your abilities and your opportunities, and your responsibility in life is not to try to steward your talents the way everybody else is, but just be faithful with what the master has given you. And not to compare your talents with anybody else's talents, opportunities with anybody else's opportunities, families with anybody else's family. Just be faithful with what you have. Can I give you a good word today? You see, your standing before your heavenly Father is not about how many talents you get, but how you use what you have. That's what it's all about, right? That's what it's all about. Listen, we've got wonderful photo booths set up in the lobby today as you leave to get pictures. The reason we do that is so that you can put those on social media and shame everybody that wasn't here today. (laughs) All right? We got it all set up. It's a beautiful photo. You're going to have other friends that weren't at Bell Shoals today, and they're going to be out in their backyard with the weeds and the heat, and and, and then they're going to scroll, and they're going to see your picture, and they're going to say, there's a five-talent family. Good, they ought to feel bad about themselves. No. Hey, here's the deal. Everybody's going to be posting their pictures today, right? We all love our moms, grateful for them. Some of us will be posting pictures of mothers who have already gone to be with the Lord. You know, today's a mother picture posting kind of day. Hey, let me just give you a little word as we do that. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. 
If you feel like, hey, I'm a one-talent kind of person, two-talent kind of person, three-talent kind of person, four-talent kind of person, five-talent kind of person, hey, let me, let me, here, here's the deal. It's not about how many talents you get. It's what you do with what you have. And um, you ought to be encouraged today because God has saved you, he's gifted you, and he's empowered you to make a difference in this world. You do that by multiplying the talents that he gives you. So, third thing, check this out. Your joy will be maximized when your talents are multiplied. Can I just give you a good word here? The five-talent guy and the two-talent guy, don't miss this, had the same exact measure of joy. Now, just let that sink in. Because our society tells us that you can't have maximum joy unless you have maximum talents. That's a lie. If you'll just multiply the talents that God has given you, if you'll just lean into his grace in your life, if you'll just look to bring glory to him through what he's entrusted to you based on your abilities, here's what's true. Whether you're a five-talent person or a two-talent person or a one-talent person, when you maximize and multiply what God has entrusted to you, then your joy reaches the same level as everyone else who has also multiplied what God has given to them. In other words, here's a little, Jesus is giving us a little glimpse of the new heavens and the new earth. No one will be walking around the new heavens and the new earth insecure in who they are in Christ. Do you know why? Because while our rewards and responsibilities will vary in heaven, our joy will not. And what you will not see in the new heavens and new earth is someone walking around with their glass half empty. No Eeyores in heaven. Everybody's joy will be the same. You say, how is that true? Because when you get five talents and you double it, or you get two talents and you double it, the reward and the joy is multiplied. And notice the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy get the same word from the master. Well done. So your joy is not decreased. Your joy is maximized when your talents are multiplied. Moms, be encouraged. All the hard work, all the years, all the praying, all the, all the serving, all the disciplining, all the, listen, there's a day coming when you'll hear the words, well done. It doesn't matter what others around you have been asked to manage. Hey, listen, every single one of us have the opportunity today to make much of Jesus and all these entrusted to us financially, with our influence, with our relationships. Doesn't matter what anyone else has been entrusted with. It matters that we multiply what we have. When you do that, your joy is maximized all the same. And I know we live in a society where it's like, you know, we have people now who look at successful people. By the way, I just want you to see here, Jesus is not anti-success or anti-wealth. We, we have, <laughs> this is a kind of a little bit of a concern for me, like this generation is like, okay, well, if you're successful, then what you need to do in your success is give to everybody who's not successful. 
If many in our modern world were telling this parable, they would say, and the five talent person was required by the government to give four of the talents to the one talent guy. No. Here's what we miss with that mentality. We look only at where people have succeeded without regard for where they started. And you know where the 10 talent guy started? With five. You know where the two talent guy started? With two, not with four. And I just want you to see here, if you're a Christ follower, you should never feel bad or insecure about working hard, about, about um, seeing your wealth build over time, about seeing God bless what you're doing. Listen, you, no Christ follower should ever feel bad about working hard and maximizing the talents that God's entrusted to. That's what he's asked us to do. And let's not just look at success. Let's look at where we start. Because very few people are born with a silver spoon. And here's what Jesus is saying. Whether you're asked to multiply one talent, two talents, three talents, or five talents, just start focusing on honoring the Lord and multiplying what you have. And when you do that, the Lord will always bless you with a joy that matches your multiplication. And so be encouraged in that. That's why the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1, if you want to boast, here's what, here's what he says, you can boast, just boast in the Lord. Why? Because he's the one who gave you the talents. He's the one who's given you opportunities. Everything you have, you have exclusive rights to, but they don't ultimately belong to you. You boast in the Lord. And so then lastly, okay, lastly, here's the thing. Here's one of the biggest takeaways from the parable. Do not be discouraged by the delay in the master's return. There is a huge window from when the master gives these talents to his servants and when he comes back. That's why the third servant, I believe, falls prey to laziness, despair. He's not convinced the master's ever coming back. Listen to me, dear ones. He's coming back. And when he comes back, the question's going to be, did, did we multiply what he entrusted to us? The question's not going to be, if we're a one-talent person or a two-talent person, did we do with a five-talent person? No, 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 there's no comparison in the kingdom here. The question is, did you multiply what the master gave you? And uh, moms, dads, hey, I'm right in, the, right in there with you right now. L listen to me very, very carefully. I think there's a parallel here to parenting. Do you know why? It's a long road. And you don't see the fruit of your labor until years and years and years down the road. And those of you now who are parenting toddlers, <laughs> I watch and I laugh at you. Because I know the pain and I know the sleepless nights and I know the anxiety and I know you're wondering, how did this demon possess my child? <laughs> and I laugh at you and I laugh with you because I was there. And I asked the question, why did we do this to ourselves? I'm with you in this. 
And starting in August, my wife and I have three out of the house, one left. Grocery bills going down. <laughs> Boy, anxiety, insecurity, still up there. You know why? We've been in this over 21 years, and the biggest decisions that our children will make are still yet to be made. And I sleep fine through the night most nights now because I don't have a three-year-old coming in or a baby crying. Oh, man. But harvest season hasn't come yet. You know what harvest season is? Grandchildren. (laughs) Grandchildren. Come on, grandparents. Come on. Now, and let me tell you something. There's a sense in which these 21 years for us has gone really fast. And then there's a sense in which, man, we're not done yet. And just lean into this parable. Here's what Jesus is saying. It's a long time from the master's departure to his return. But if you'll hang in there and you'll be faithful and you'll multiply what he's given you, listen, he's going to return. And when he does, it will be worth it. And moms, be encouraged today. I know you're on this road. I know your kids are 3, 13, 18. It's like, man, how much longer, right? This kind of little parallel here with parenting. You don't see the fruit of what you're working on for years down the road. That's okay. Keep working. Keep serving. Keep shaping. God is with you because this God who loves you, gave his son for you, has saved you, and he has gifted you, and he has empowered you to make a difference in this world. And so don't grow weary in well-doing. Hang in there. Here's what Matthew 24 said. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24. The one who endures to the end will be saved. There is a better day coming. There's a day of joy. There's a day of joy being maximized in our lives. So hang in there and keep going. Don't let any roadblock of insecurity get the best of you. Don't think for a moment your life doesn't matter. Your gifts don't matter. Your financial resources don't matter. Your relational dynamics, the, the, where you can exercise influence, don't matter. No, 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 no. God has saved you, gifted you, empowered you to make a difference in this world. So here's my encouragement to all of us on this very special day. Don't let the enemy render us lazy or useless because the master has entrusted us with much. And when he returns, He'll ask for a return. And so as we keep our hand to the plow and we stay faithful and we keep enduring, here's what we're going to hear one day. Well done. The two-talent guy and the five-talent guy heard the same thing. Well done.